way back in the back part of the New Testament to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for I think this is the eighth week. Probably the last one. I'm not going to say that for sure. But I tell you, begin to thirst for the things of the Spirit. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life and, and watch what He'll do. I'm telling you that, that that is one of the most significant things. And that's why we've been talking about that. To have the, the power and the person of the Holy Spirit come in you. Now, probably next week, I'm going to start a series on the family. That I believe that is going to change us as a church and as a family to get you back in line. And so that's next week. But today, let's begin in 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 18. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to teach us. Give us insight here today. Little children... It is the last hour. Now, Jesus, or the, the, the writer here, John, is he's making us aware of the lateness of the hour. And when he says, here's little children, it's the last hour. The last hour was introduced by the first coming of Jesus. When Jesus came for the first time, from then on, it's been going downhill to the last days. Now, you know, you may be alive here for a long time on earth, and you may have heard this over and over. Well, Jesus, people say, he's going to come back. And I've heard it, and I've heard it, and I've heard it. And he's not back yet. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to come back. I'm going to tell you, that day's coming. I'm going to give you a huge revelation today. He's closer coming back today than he was yesterday. It's big, isn't it? I'm just telling you, when the scriptures start telling you these things, you've got to listen. Now listen to what it goes on to say. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. The Antichrist is coming, and you may have studied some of it. The end times are called eschatology. Um, I don't get off on that very often, and the, one of the reasons I don't is because I can't and you can't change what's going to happen in time. Jesus is going to come back. And you know, when people ask me, Pastor, are you post-tribulation or pre-tribulation? I'm pan-tribulation. I believe it's all going to pan out in the end. God's going to take care of me, okay? He's going to take care of you. So he goes on to say here, And the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. And he's telling us already many such persons are at work in the world. Now, how will you be able to clarify that many antichrists have come. Well, the Bible's very clear on this, that they're going to be destructive, they're going to be de decisive, divisive, and deceiving. That's how you can know. When you get around people that are destructive, divisive, and deceiving, I'm going to tell you there's a good possibility the spirit of the antichrist is involved with them, okay? You can look at this. Now, this is a warning right here. By which now, that is the last hour. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. They were false Christ, false prophets. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. They would not have withdrawn, but they went out that they may be, might be made manifest that none of them were with us. Verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Who does? You do. You have an anointing. Now, when you look right there, what he's talking about there, the anointing in our life is the Holy Spirit. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, from Father God. Do you know that? Well, you do now. You have an anointing. Now, when I look at the anointing, not only it's the Holy Spirit, 
I believe the anointing he's talking about is a touch of God. An internal help. An internal compass. An insight. And he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. Now that part there that's transferred where you know all things is cross-referenced into John 16, 13. And that talks about the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit. That He's going to lead you and guide you into all things. You don't know all things because you're so smart. You know all things because the Holy Spirit is going to help you. He's going to begin to become the teacher. This is what he's talking about. And so I believe the time we live in, one thing that will happen is when we get filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to trust Him, He's going to teach you. When things uh, are taught that aren't of the Bible, aren't of God, there's going to be a, a warning that will go off in you, and you're going to think, that doesn't sound right. That's not what the Bible says. See, that's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is the truth. The illuminating ministry of the Holy Spirit. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? And you want to you locate certain religions? Just ask them who Jesus is. When we deny that Jesus is the Christ, he, he gives us some insight right here. This is a liar. And so it's one thing when people knock on your door and they start talking to you about, well, who is Jesus? Is he the Christ? See, many religions will say, well, he's just a prophet. He's just a, a man of God. No, he's the Christ. He's the Son of God. And this is some of the things we're to be make, making ourselves aware of. Now, look what he goes on to say. He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. We ought to be taught this. Verse 23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that is promised eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Do you realize that, guys? This is one of the signs of the end time. There's going to be many that try to deceive. That's why it's so important that you get in the book. Now, many of you are on Facebook a lot. My definition of Facebook is this right here. Face the book. I'm going to tell you guys, we've got to get into this. This will teach you what you need to know right here. And then ask the Holy Spirit to help you. He goes on to say here, verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. The Holy Spirit which abides, that lives and remains in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing or as the same Holy Spirit teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it taught you, you will abide in Him. So what He's telling us here, the anointing of the Holy Spirit will come to teach you. It'll come to help you. That, that's His job. But I want you to notice something here. At the start it says, but the anointing which you have received. Now you're going to hear that a lot today. I'm going to talk about the word received, and that's what we do with all the things of God. 
You receive Jesus. You receive the Holy Spirit. You can't earn them. You can't buy them. Remember there in the book of Acts when the, the, the guy said, I want to buy this gift. They said, you can't buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now turn with me to the regular book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter number 1. John 1 is where we're going to go next. Talking about receiving. I believe it's important that you receive the things of God on a daily basis. You know, how do the sheep know the voice of the shepherd? They spend time with him on a daily basis. They spend time with him day by day by day by day. That's important for me and you. John chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness or to testify of the light that all through him might believe. Now this was John's assignment. You're going to bear witness or you're going to testify of the things of God. Okay? Verse 8. He was not that light. John wasn't, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, talking about Jesus, and his own, the Jews, did not receive him. Now there's the word receive. Verse 12, listen to this. But as many as received Jesus, to them... He gave the right, the power, or authority to become children of God to those who believe in His name. Now, how do you receive Jesus? You believe in His name. You welcome Him into your life. You welcome Him into your heart. That's how me and you get born again. You receive Jesus. You don't earn Him. Now, when you receive Jesus, He said something right there. To whom he gives the power to become children, sons, of, sons and daughters of God. Once you've given your heart to Jesus, Father God releases something in us that says, That's my son. That's my daughter. And it's nothing we've done. It's based on what Jesus has done. But it comes from us receiving him. And I must receive him. Lord, I receive you. I think it's healthy for each one of us every day to say, Jesus, I receive you as Lord as my life. I receive you as my Savior. And here's what we all must understand. When I receive the Lord Jesus, Father God then releases everything that he intended Jesus to be in you and me's life. He becomes Savior. He becomes Lord. He'll become your strengthener. He'll become your justifier. He'll become your sanctifier. He'll become your redeemer. He'll become your overcomer, according to Romans 8, 37. He'll become the one that'll help you be more than a conqueror. And so that's what happened. It comes when I receive Jesus. And this is important that we begin to see this because the point in all this, Jesus will never be anything that Father God wants him to be until you and me receive him. If I don't receive him, this does not happen. How do I receive him? Once again, i got to receive him by faith. See, it's kind of like a marriage covenant. When you get married, Father God then, when you go through the vows, he releases everything that your spouse was intended to be for you. 
Doesn't happen until you get married. Well, this is the same thing. Now, go with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Now, remember, we're talking about receiving here today. How we must receive the things of God. And many times people will say to me, well, how do you receive? And I could look at you and say, well, just receive. That doesn't help anybody. How do we receive from the things of God? Well, here's your little illustration I think will help you today. Me and, me and Joe go out to eat. And after we finish eating, the, the, the waiter brings the check. And Joe grabs the bill and he says, Pastor, I want to pray. I want to pay for it. Now, what happens usually as human beings when someone wants to pay for us? What do we say? No, no, no. You don't have to do that. I don't want you to do that. And Joe says, please, Pastor, I want to bless you. I want to pay for it. So you know what ultimately happens? I say, okay, Joe, I'll let you. Now, you know what I've just done? I've just received. How did I receive? I surrendered my will. I surrendered my will and just let him bless me. That's the thing, things with the things of God. Now, how many of you in here, is it more easy for you to give than receive? I'm glad you're honest. And I'm sorry to tell you, I baited the hook. I did that intentionally. Because what I'm fixing to say is really going to hurt. The reason it's easier for me and you to give than receive is when I'm given... I'm still in control. I determine when I'm going to give. I determine where I'm going to give. And I even determine to whom I'm going to give. So I guess what? I'm in control. I gotta, but when I receive, you know what's now happened? I've had to surrender my will. And this is the same things with the kingdom of God. Until you start receiving the things of God, it becomes a control issue. You know what the control issue is? Am I going to lead? Or am I going to be led? This is why it's important that we understand what it means to receive. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus talking here said, And he being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. Now he commanded them this. Now he goes ahead and explains what he's talking about. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, we understand this is what Jesus said. Verse number 8. Listen. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now you will receive power for what? He said, you'll receive power to be a witness. And you'll receive power to be a witness for who? Now look real close. To me. Each one of us in here, guys, we're called to be witnesses for the kingdom of God. And the focus here is on the ministry of believers, but we'll never fulfill this ministry without the Holy Spirit. So he said this, when you receive the Holy Spirit... Father God then releases power in your life for you to be a witness. Now many times when we want to witness for the Lord, a lot of times we don't have confidence. We don't have a boldness to be a witness for the Lord like He desires us. That's why He said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, something's going to happen to you. 
There's going to be a boldness come. There's going to be an umph come on the inside of you. You know, when, when I'd gotten born again, my brother had lived up in Tulsa. And I was privileged to be around three, four young guys that, I mean, they were, they were full of God. And they were full of the Holy Spirit. And I began to watch these guys witness. And one of them, he became very, very dear to me. He, he's gone home and been with the Lord right now. But his name was Rudy Vratoshnik. He was Russian, can you tell? Vratoshnik. I mean, he had the Russian When he talked, he had that Russian accent. Tell you guys, this guy was so bold as a witness. He was bold with the kingdom of God. This is one of the guys that he was ministering in an underground church in Moscow. And he was speaking to a church of 500. And when he began to speak, all of a sudden the doors kicked in. And there was the KGB with, with machine guns. And they said, anyone in here that doesn't proclaim to be a Christian, you can leave and nothing will happen. You know what he said? Half the church got up and left. He said, when they started leaving, a boldness came on me. He said, the main one of them, he came up to me with a machine gun and he points it at my head. And he said, now, the rest of you who don't want to die, get up and leave or we're going to start killing you. Rudy said, I just looked at him. He said, another half of the church left. After they left, the leader of the KGB looked at him and said, now. I know who the real believers are. Tell me about Jesus. And every one of him and his guards got born again. And it was because of this guy's boldness. And I saw it take place over and over, and I would just watch him. And I'd say, what's the deal, Rudy? How's this happening? You know what he'd tell me in that, that Russian accent? Be filled with the Spirit. You've got to be filled with the Spirit. Another one of the guys was a guy named Tim Jost. And Tim, we called him Sporty Orty. And Sporty had a boldness about him. And I remember we were going through a, a part of Tulsa that was really rough. And we were handing out tracts. And people were sitting all over the place. Winos, the drug exit. And man, we were just ministering to him right and left. Just telling him about the things of God. How much God loved him. And all of a sudden, this guy behind us was on the balcony of this house. And he yells down at us. At us. And he says, don't listen to anything they're saying. They're a bunch of liars. All they want is your money. And he looked at us and pointed and said, you come up here and I'll whip every one of you's rears. Well, you know what most Christians would do? They'd say, we're on the wrong block. Let's go somewhere else. Not sporty. Before we knew it, man, I mean sporty was running up those stairs. The next thing we knew, he's out on the balcony. And the power of God came on him, and he began to look at the guy, and he said, you used to be a man of God. You used to be a pastor. But you turned back to alcohol. You turned back to the, the drugs. And he said, God loves you. All you got to do is repent. And we're sitting there watching, we're thinking, Sporty, we hope you don't die today. Next thing we knew, that man dropped on his knees and began to weep and say, I need Jesus. I mean, see, and I, I, I was brought up around men like that. And these guys were horrible growing up, man. They got born again, and they got filled with the Holy Spirit, and God began to move. 
And I begin to think about the things in my own life, about how God would begin to move, sometimes in a real gentle way with me to, to witness, and other times real boldness. But one time I was on the streets of Juarez, and we were in an area we shouldn't have been. And I knew we weren't in a place we really should be. And so finally I just looked, and, and many of you, you know, that I speak in swanics, not phonics. You think my English is bad, my Spanish is worse. And I finally just got fed up with where we were at and how we were progressing we weren't. I yelled out, does anybody here speak English? And this one little guy said, I do. And I said, you're my boy, get over here. So he came over there and he gets us going on the right track. And I looked at him. And I said, you've known God before, haven't you? You've known God and you've turned from God. And he looked at me, and I, I remember those crocodile tears started coming down his eyes. And he said, how did you know that? And I said, I didn't know it. That's the Holy Spirit. He proceeds to tell me he graduated from a Bible school in the United States. I said, what Bible school? He said, you've never heard of it. And I said, try me. And he said, it was a Bible school in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma called Rama." And I looked at him and I said, I'm a Rhema graduate. And his eyes got big. And this guy would rattle scripture. You couldn't believe the way he'd speak scripture. And I said, see, your issue is you know the things of God. You just don't obey them. And he had had a person that he had gotten divorced. And a person told him, God will never be able to use you again. And I said, that was a lie. God will use you, and God wants to use you, and you're a man of God, and let me pray. And he looked at me, and he said, I got a rock of cocaine on me. He pulled that thing out. I mean, it was a big old chunk. And I looked at him. I said, God loves you. God loves you. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit that he'll cross your path. And that's why I say, when you think Peter Pan had adventures, he never has nothing like we do as believers. And this guy's heart came back to Jesus. And see, that's exactly what, what the passage is talking about here. We are to be witnesses for the kingdom of God. You know, I was eating with my brother the other day. And there was a little young waitress. And I mean, she was busting a little bottom. I don't know how many tables she had. She had a great attitude. Man, the Lord just began to speak to my heart said, bless her, bless her. Well, I blessed her financially in some ways. And when I was getting up, I touched her on her shoulder and I said, thank you, you did a good job. And, and she looked me in the eye and I looked at her and said, God bless you and God loves you. See, sometimes it's, it's even that small. How many of you have ever had a day that wasn't going so good and you ran across someone and they said that to you and you looked at them like, God bless me? Are you kidding See, this is how God wants to use us. But hit, something happens right here when we begin to read this. That when I receive the Holy Spirit, God releases a power into me to be a witness. Look over a couple pages to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter number 8. The power of God is only by the Holy Spirit. And we are to minister by the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, verse 14. 
Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. You see these things? With the kingdom, you receive. You receive Jesus. You receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the word of God. You got, how do I receive the word of God? Well, when I begin to look at the word of God, for me to receive the word of God, you know what that tells me? I've got to surrender. I've got to uh, uh, drop my will and say, okay, Father God, I'm going to start living by the word of God. So right here he says that these Samaritans had received the word of God. This is very powerful that me and you see this. And the reason this is so powerful is because the Samaritans were the first non-Jews that received. But when you look at these Samaritans that received, this goes back to exactly what Jesus spoke in Acts 1.8. He said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria. And the uttermost parts of the earth. Now what took place right here was exactly what Jesus told them was going to take place. It's the same with us, guys. It's the same. See, being a witness isn't being ugly. It's not being harsh. It's just letting the Holy Spirit help you. So these Samaritans had received the word. And they sent Peter and John to them. Who when they could come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. They might receive the Holy Spirit. Have you always wondered or ever thought about why did it say they might receive the Holy Spirit instead of they will receive the Holy Spirit? You know why he says they might? Because every one of us in this room, we have a will. Father God will never make you do anything against your will. The scripture says that it's God's desire that every one of us be saved and none perish. But you know there will be some that will perish. You know why? They didn't receive him. They didn't receive him. See, people don't go to hell for their sin. People go to hell because they don't receive Jesus. And so right here he said that they might receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, they got to surrender their will. They got to say, okay, okay, I'm just going to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? Verse 18 or verse 16. For as yet the Holy Spirit had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they, Peter and John, laid hands on them, and they surrendered and received the Holy Spirit. They didn't have to. They didn't have to. But I believe they began to see what Peter and John had and said, Man, there's a difference. That's what happened to me, guys. All those guys I was around as a young believer, I began to see a difference in them. There was one guy that I, I, I went to school with there who was an instructor, and I promised, guys, when we would go into the rec center to play basketball, he was like honey with a bee. People would just swarming, and he would begin to tell them about the things of God. Guys, we would go into the mall, and I would watch how he would minister to the clerks, and he would begin to tell them about Jesus next thing I knew, and they get born again. And I would watch this over and over with these guys. What was the, the difference? They got filled with the Holy Spirit. Turn with me a little farther to your right to Acts chapter 19. Acts 19. See, just as we see, receive Jesus, this is the same way we receive the Holy Spirit. This is why this is that significant. And I want you to see this morning how many times it says, receive, receive receive 
Acts 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and he found some disciples. That means they were born again. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. I've thought about that, and I thought, I wonder if they went to the same church I used to go to. Never heard about the Holy, the Holy who? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, once again, he's talking about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you receive him? One of the things that held people back from receiving, they had no knowledge on this. That's why we've been teaching on it. So you begin to see, man, the Holy Spirit, he's the ticket. Do you know what I have people say numerous times to me? I'm afraid if I receive the Holy Spirit, He's going to make me do something that I don't want. Let me ask you something. Has Jesus ever made you do something that you didn't want? No. When you got born again, did Jesus get you in a headlock and say, you're going to get born again? He didn't do that. He probably wanted to with some of us. But He didn't do that. You know why? Because God gave every one of us a will. And he won't force it. You know what? Jesus, if you want to go to hell, go to hell. If you want to be, you can. And so he's never going to force you. To, it's the same with the Holy Spirit. He's never going to force you or me to do anything. And so it becomes, do I surrender my will? Do I begin to trust him? See, here's how Jesus and the Holy Spirit will work in your life. He'll, he'll begin to deal with your heart. And when he starts dealing with your heart, it becomes your decision, do you respond to him? Do you submit to him? I remember when I was 18, I didn't know Jesus from nothing. And I'd go to these church services, and man, he'd start dealing with me. He'd start dealing with me. It was my choice to respond. For many a month, you know what I'd do? I'd run. I'd, I'd get out of the church as fast as I could. When I was sitting in a church service, I'd sweat bullets, man. But the day came, he kept dealing with my heart, and I responded. I respond, And I remember the day I responded, guys. You would have thought I won a position on the prices right. And I didn't just, I was so, I went down there, and I thought, they started telling me about this guy who died for me, and I said, somebody really died for me? See, but it became my decision. That's the same with the Holy Spirit. I must respond. I must choose. And this is how he'll begin to deal with you. And that's what's happening with many of you. Now I want you to go to one more passage with me. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. As you're turning there, uh, Pastor Jimmy on Friday came in and he, he told me about one of his students. Man, it, it blessed me so much. This, this, this young man, I think he said he was 16. I don't know if he's here today, but I'm not going to mention his name. But he's 16. Started coming to the church. Didn't know hardly anything about the things of God. And, and I remember specifically who he was because one service, one of our ushers, actually it was Greg Bowden. Greg started, he was sitting back there by him. And he said, man, pastor, I thought he was on some heavy-duty drugs. He was moving and he couldn't sit still. And he said, I began to watch, and he said, I realized God was dealing with his heart. 
I mean, God was dealing with him. And I remember that Sunday. I'm down here after people are leaving, and he's over there, and he's just watching. And when no one's around, he comes up, and he says, Father, can you bless me? I said, I can bless you. I can bless. When he called me Father, I was kind of shocked, but I said, okay. Whatever you want to call me, I'm okay with that. And so right there, I prayed the sinner's prayer with him, and I'm telling you, he got born again a couple Wednesday nights ago. They baptized him. He was baptized in water. Last Wednesday night, Pastor Jimmy doesn't even know that he's down there in the youth room, this young man, way before the service starts. He walks in there and looks, and this young man's in there praying. So Jimmy said, listen, I got some things to do. Why don't you come down in the basement with me? So he comes over there, and he looks at Jimmy and says, you know, I've been listening to this stuff on the Holy Spirit on Sunday mornings. And he said, all you have to do is ask, and you receive. And Pastor Jimmy said, that's it. And he said, well, I was in there in the youth room on there on my knees praying. And he said, I asked for the Holy Spirit. And he said, I began to pray and speak in a language that I never had. And when Jimmy said that to me, I was like, Shondai. What's Shondai? Well, if you can't say Shondai, say ouch. That's good. I mean, that's a good thing. I was like, yes, yeah. I got so, I said, man, that's awesome. Why am I telling you guys that? This is a young man who knew nothing about the things of God, but he began to hear the scriptures. He received the word of God, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you guys, his life is never going to be the same. Never. Some of you say, it's that simple? It's that simple. I believe that with all my heart. Why do we not receive? Most of the time we don't receive because our head gets in the way. John 20. Get this. This is good right here. Verse Oh, man, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I'm in Luke still. John 20. Verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Now, why do they have a fear of the Jew? Well, they had seen Jesus killed. They had seen Jesus crucified by these same Jews. And they're like, if we get caught... And so they had a fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood in the midst, and he said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Now, can you imagine this? They'd spent three plus years with Jesus. He said, listen, boys, the day's coming. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die on the cross. But it's okay. After three days, I'm going to rise again. And I'm sure they're thinking, is he a Houdini? Who is this guy? So here they are assembled together. Jesus walks in and looks at them, sticks his hands up, and those nail prints. Lifts his shirt and says, check this out, boys. And you can see where he was pierced in his side. You don't think that got their attention? And they're like, whoa. Keep reading. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I bet so. So Jesus said to them again, peace as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. You know what the Amplified says there for the word receive? It says, admit the Holy Spirit. The existence of the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing that's very important for me and you to see right here is when he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. That same word breath there 
is cross-referenced into Genesis 2-7 that when Father God created Adam, it said that he breathed in Adam's nostrils and Adam became a living being. So Father God breathed life into Adam. You know what Jesus is saying? I'm breathing life in you. You want to live with the fullness of life? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, these were some of Jesus' last words to the disciples. Boys, you've got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Do I think anything's changed? No, I don't. I truly don't. And I believe this, that a lot of times in our life, we've become so busy in life. We've become so busy. We've got a lot of activity in our church. But a lot of it doesn't have the touch of God on it at all. And they say if, if the Holy Spirit wasn't within our churches, probably 95% of everything we did would go on just as though He was here. See, what my point is, we've got to get back to the Holy Spirit, guys. We can, we can have a great entertainment at church. We can have pageantry. We could have the latest and greatest sound and big screens. We could have everything in the natural. But I don't want that. I want a touch of God. I mean, I don't know where we got off thinking church has got to be an entertainment session. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Let me have a little fuzzy feeling today. Instead, I want the power of the Holy Spirit that grips me throughout the week. That when I begin to speak, it's by the power of the living God. That something begins to happen. I remember this years back here. We were sitting in, in, in a men's meeting here at the church. And there was a man sitting in the, in the room with us, and he was living in some sin. And I'm telling the Holy Spirit began to deal with my heart. And I was like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that, Holy Spirit. No. And he kept dealing with me, he kept dealing with me. And so I looked at the man, and I said these things to him. Now, when I said those things to him, I knew it was by the Holy Spirit, but I also knew one of two things was going to happen. He's going to repent and get right with God, or my little 150-pound rear is getting ready to be whipped. Because he was a big fella. And what I said to him, I thought, oh, Holy Spirit, no. He'll sling me around like a little rag doll. And I'll have to pick up a bat and hit him in the head in the name of Jesus. That's how I grew up. You don't pick up an equalizer. I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to whip me? Okay. But I was sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, I knew it was the Holy Spirit, though. And I looked over there. And I saw those crocodile tears coming down his face. And he said, Pastor, God's been dealing with me for three months on that. Three months. And he began to weep and repent. And I didn't say any of that to smear him, to beat him up. I knew God loved him. That's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Things like that only happen. That's why it's so important that we receive the Holy Spirit. Say, okay. Okay, I don't want to live by my abilities, my, my, my mind. I don't want to be, live by my, I want to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let Him use us. Stand up here with me today. That's why I'm telling you, God loves you. He's for you today. But there's still more. And it comes where you've got to receive the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you two things just while you're standing. You saw in the scriptures where Peter and John laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. That's biblical. That's biblical, guys. 
We'll lay hands on you and receive the Holy Spirit. Or number two, just like the young teenager, he was by himself. He began to seek God and he just said, Father God, fill me with your spirit. And whoop, there it is. See, that's how we can do it. And see, that may be you today. But I encourage you on a daily basis. So, Holy Spirit, come. I need your assistance today. I need your help today. And get ready. Get ready. Get, get ready for some of the greatest adventures of your life. Bow your head with me.